0: But you could call me the can man because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's,
1: baby! Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Today I'm joined by Alex Jones and Tom Kennett on this Easter Monday special. As always, I've uh, had a little back and forth for our intro. And I thought after the success last week, obviously they were all really simplified. Alex got them quickly. We've got another batch of hyperfestical questions for you. Hopefully you answer these today. They should be a little easier, I hope. Hopefully anyway. If we start with a nice, say, simple one, you can go back in time and party with one person. Who would it be?
2: Do you know? I I'd probably I'd go with one of the old, uh, like Euro, one of the old um, England squad boys, um, particularly from Euro, from um, yeah. Because some of the stories that have come out from there, and it's just it's just something that you probably wanted to witness, like a <laughs> lot of urban legends. So, uh, any of those, any of that squad, then to be honest. All right, getting that mic today. I'm.
0: Um, I'm not having you're to not edit say you. anymore. I am speaking clearly. Yeah, but into the mic. You're speaking over here. Am I? I'm throwing my voice. People, <laughs> people don't get to listen to us on time because uh, I have okay. to edit you in. All right, my pick here, I'm going with early 2000s Charlie Sheen, pre-AIDS. Not that he would possibly infect me, but I don't know who he caught it off. But you don't necessarily have to get involved, but you can uh, see what's going on there. And uh, I'm sure you'd have some uh, wild evenings. I thought you were going to say R. Kelly. Jesus. kind <laughs> going to get us taken off the air.
1: <laughs> be interesting to see how he got down, though, in the 90s. Let's just see what he did get up to. Similar with the McCann's. You have a night out with them, you'll soon see what... See, you know a lot about someone's character from that. If they seem a bit careless, if they leave their drink lying around, it stands to reason they might leave their child lying around. So
0: that you're taking,
1: if not someone like Frank Sinatra, just someone who you go way back and you just think you hear all the sort of links that he had with you know sort of potentially gangsters and sports people at the time. You see just what how they got down back then.
0: Yeah, there's a piece when I just started writing where one of the editors sent it to me on an example of uh, some writing to get into in terms of like, non-fiction but telling a story. Yeah. And it's a piece on Frank Sinatra. I can't remember what it was called. I'm sure you could find it if you typed in top journalism, Frank Sinatra or something. But someone had arranged an interview with him to kind of like document him over a week. And uh, he turned up on the day and Frank Sinatra, basically blew him off, like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> and, but instead, he let him just follow him around for the week. And so he's just documented from across the room, his his li- life as it is. But it's really it's really good, and he's talking about how he would literally just kind of look at the uh, bouncer on a door when someone's coming in to essentially say, "Look, they got to go." Someone would think that it's just a jukebox that anyone can go and touch up, and he'd just give them a look as they'd go over, and they'd oh, no, that's Frank's. <laughs> But all these little things about the way you would uh, speak to women and all sorts. It's, it's very good, though. Um, next up, then. If you lose when you die. No, if you die when you lose. Which game show do you pick to compete on?
1: If you die when you lose.
0: If you die when you lose, which game show do you choose to go on?
2: No restrictions on any sort of game show. No, no restrictions. You want to pick something that's like completely within your hands, I suppose. Nothing like Big Brother or anything like that. <laughs> um, oh, that's quite tough. Um, I'll go with the weakest link. No, no, actually, that is No, out your hands. No, <laughs> no, 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 actually, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going. I'm that's going. Hunger Games, you're talking about. I'm <laughs> gonna. Go, I'm to go with Mastermind because then I get to pick my specialist category. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, I'm going with golden balls. Oh, I'm, wow. gonna, oh, I'm gonna, man- I'm gonna, I'm man- gonna, I'm gonna maneuver my way through it. Imagine, everyone knows, so everyone competing knows, like this is basically what's going on here. And you get to the final, and the person still chooses to steal. Imagine it. So you can both split, and so you would be safe. Sp- you survive. Yeah, because <laughs> you're technically winning some form of money.
2: Have you ever seen a video of the guy who? at the end says to the opposing guy, right, I'm going to steal you. If you split, I will split the money with you afterwards. So I'm definitely 100%. This is stealing the ball and you make sure you split. And then I will split the money with you afterwards, the game show. And it went on and on and on. And this guy couldn't get in his head that I've got no choice. I've got to split because he's going to (laughs) like, it's it's my only hope. But then, but no, because when they opened the ball, the other guy had split.
0: So they split.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So it's just that mind game.
1: Oh, that's, that's good.
0: that's, that's quite, I've never thought about getting that way around it.
1: It's a happy ending. Hmm.
0: But then you could be a scumbag on there you if you might. wanted to. If you wanted to like cull people, then you'd have to just eyeball them down. But if you get that dodgy ball, then it could be out your hands.
1: It would actually be a killer ball if you had it on on this one. How would you? Obviously, you, you try and manipulate your way around it, but it'd be very difficult to get people to vote. Obviously, to get people out. I always loved that one when they uh, if you had like three killer balls at the back I'd be like I've got none I've got no killer balls in my straight face it's, all, it's always that it's that stare
2: afterwards when that one person's it, it, the stolen when, and the, the it, other person's it, it, yeah. splattered it's that stare it's like there must have been some and, really so, like
0: and, and if you lie early and get through to the next round they're not going to trust you for the whole rest of the stages on the show no, no, yeah. yeah, imagine it's some kind of like we do like a draft lottery on the TV and they essentially have everyone in the world's names and they just pick them out and say, this is the game show you've got to go on. We're doing a Thanos. We're cutting you draw out like Takeshi's castle.
1: Oh my god!
0: Jesus. All right, where are you going, TK?
1: Yeah, I was thinking along the same lines as you boys. um, Try and get something nice and easy. Although technically, you can't lose deal or no deal. You can't lose. So maybe I'll just go that and get around the system. Even if you leave with a penny, you're you're in the red. Uh, sorry, in the black. So you're all fine. I think in that game, you'd have to have like a minimum win. The threshold is like 50 grand or yeah, you die. Yeah. No, because uh, on this one,
0: so you have the top value amounts and then the, the bottom value amounts are just different ways for you to die. <laughs> so you've just got all, all, all your blues left. And he's like, look, I'll offer you in your sleep here. And <laughs> in, your, in, in your box still, you've got you're leaving as an amputee. He's going, come on, I'll give you... You're probably not going to walk... Well, you're not going to walk out of here either way. (laughs) Imagine if it
2: just comes down to you choosing between one of the death options. It's just like,
0: Jesus. All right, next one up. What's the fiercest animal you think you could take in a fight? Oh,
1: Christ.
2: uh... Bloody hell. Um, I, I like to think that I could... Maybe one of the smaller, maybe one of the smaller cats. So like, into, cats. as in like the cat family. So eight, we're talking like, so I, I'm going to rule out anything past a leopard. So a lion. Good of you. And I, I'd <laughs> like to think that maybe I could take on a cheetah. Maybe. Christ. In close proximity. They're you all about, they're risen. all, they're all about speed. So you get them in close proximity in time down. They're not that thick built. They're quite small compared with a lot of them. You just gotta, you, you gotta treat it like a. And you, manoeuvre your head away from that mouth. Yeah, but if you land a decisive blow on those legs, they're not built for strength. You break the
0: leg and it's <laughs> game over. You've immobilised it. This is like pure Gareth Keenan talking about in the TAs. I don't know how to get past people here.
2: A cheat has only got one play and that's his speed. Well,
0: at first. You've, once you know the I play. Know I've got one play. <laughs> at first, I thought when he was like cat, I was thinking, oh, Christ, he's playing at low ear. And then he's gone from uh, just a little house cat. Cat
1: family was what he insinuated. He's put his ego aside to say he doesn't think he can take a leopard. They give him <laughs> that. Oh,
0: TK, what about you?
1: Oh, not know, maybe a fox. <laughs> <laughs> a scrap a fox if it's in your garden, maybe.
0: Well, I would think that, but I haven't told this on here. Actually, I haven't told. I haven't, unless Alex maybe you put us in my tweet um, where I mentioned this. So. I was at the bus stop the other morning, about seven o'clock. No one around. Did you see my tweet about this? I did see the yeah. tweets. I
2: wasn't sure if they were genuine or not. No, no. This quiet,
0: is this, okay. was, this, this was genuine. And uh, about seven a.m. Roads are quiet but moderate. Across the bus stop from me, there's these hedges and there's a little like housing bit behind it. And I had one headphone over my ear, one headphone off. I heard this rustling, and I kind of didn't think much of it. it got a bit louder, and I thought, "What the hell's going on here?" And then this deer just started charging across the road <laughs> and i what on and I was thinking, Am I actually like seeing this? Like antlers and all sorts. Um, it was charging and it got to the point where I was like, I'm just gonna have to take this. Like the <laughs> Same time there. was in like slow motion Same and then it kind of like veered and just, just started like, bombing up the road. And I saw a car like slow down and kind of looked, so I was like, Okay, this definitely did happen. <laughs> Like I haven't have just yeah. No, because I I was genuinely thinking, have I just seen this? Like, <laughs> have I made it up? I was on the bus after, have I made this up in my head?
2: You'd have to just take the the like, try and dodge out of the way at the last second if it was going to go. And it look try like and he's screen. got that
1: in him with a deer. Probably
2: not. But
0: <laughs> well, I'm thinking I didn't bat myself against that. <laughs> because I, and that only just came back into my head. My first thought was a horse when uh, you said it. I just remembered the jolly lad punching the horse and thought, look, <laughs> he got away with it. So.
2: <sighs> You're saying about a fox. So, um, I, um, I've had a close encounter with one in terms of, I got dropped off, at the, dropped off home. What was side. her name? <laughs> <laughs> dropped off back from the, uh, the cinema and I'm stood at my front door, um, waiting for the door to be opened. And, uh, the person who's dropped me off is like flashing me frankly with her front with the lights. And I'm like Bye. Yeah. <laughs> just saying bye, like flashing me frantically and step inside. Literally, apparently, I can see it because of her lights. But I just walked straight up to the door and this fox was literally at my feet, stood right next to me, frozen, like looking at me solid. What? I didn't notice didn't <laughs> clock it, didn't clock it at all.
0: Oh, I think I'm gonna take I think I'll take on that deer. We're going to have round two. He's scared me off the first time. That's about as high as I'm going. I don't really... I mean, like yet? I said, I've not had a tussle with a human being. <laughs> so an animal maybe... No, I, I, mean, I don't. I haven't watched much nature programs either. That, I think I could take a hyena. Like one, one yeah. on its own. That's the thing. They, they are pack
2: animals. There, they're so. pretty. They're quite cowardly when it comes Is to by themselves. It? All right, I'm
0: settling for a sheep then. <laughs> Go for a sheep. Being <laughs> a sheep, we're going one on one.
2: My, uh, my uh, granddad's been attacked by a boar once. Walking the dog in the fight when he lived in Berlin, he was uh,
0: got, out
2: for a walk with um, out a walk with the dog, and um, yeah, this boar came out of nowhere and uh, obviously spooked the dog. And my granddad sent them both running in opposite directions. Dog walked itself home by itself, was sat on the porch waiting for him when Don't he got back. Dog showed a lack of loyalty, <laughs> He needs stick, stick it's by a, his owner and it, fight him. It's a ball. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not... <laughs> All
0: right, the next one up. Would you rather sleep in a bed with sand or piss to bed four nights a week?
2: <laughs> sleep in a bed with sand
0: or piss the
2: bed four nights a week? <sighs> uh... The sand is,
0: like, loose on top of your sheets. <laughs> uh.
2: I'd just take I'd take the piss. Yeah, I
1: think uh, I
0: would as well. Yeah. Is there any
1: sand in the bed where that you're in, or is it literally on top of the duvet? So it, it's it's
0: like it's like so what if you lie on top of the duvet, it's on top of the duvet. If you lie under the sheets then it's like on top of the sheets, so you're basically lying on the sand. the sand. Yeah.
1: For the every night of the week for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'll, I'll take piss in the bird. I'll take it on the chin.
0: Like, I've never understood Obviously. when people say the feel of sand is nice. Like people have like top feelings in the world the feeling the sand between your toes. Never, under- I don't like beaches.
1: That makes a lot of sense for you.
0: I don't understand it at all. You, you have to be, you have to be completely bone
2: dry, and the sand has to be nice and clean and light, and it doesn't. But they stick never are. Some. Well, it depends where you go, I suppose. That alright. Not really. No. Nah. Probably one of those, um, one of those, uh, the like Barbados or anywhere like one of the Caribbean islands, maybe got like perfect beaches. It's, it's so leaked to not
1: like the beach. I, I do like the beach, but there's a, you know, I don't want to sleep with it. Yeah, it just
0: gets but, everywhere. Well, that's like, the thing. I see these pictures where it's like the water's nice and blue and the sand is. I don't believe these places exist. <laughs> like I think the pictures are just misleading because you can go over in an airplane and the sea can look nice, and then you're yeah. up close. And it's disgusting. So if you're taking these pictures from a nice angle, like an Instagram model, that's what these beaches are. Yeah. They'll all be photoshopped. Well, some of them will be photoshopped. I, there are some places like out there, out, out there like that. Have you ever photoshopped a training picture? Mm, not photoshopped. No, no
2: not. Certainly not photoshopped. A bit of
1: anything, yeah, I do. I haven't got time to
0: do that. I do have a bone to pick with you, actually, and it's just come into my oh, head. Go on. And go TK on. knows what this is. So earlier this week, I saw, um, I mean, we've mentioned uh, who you compete for before. Um, Rhymes with ration kit. (laughs) Um, And there was a post this week with you and a fellow teammate with the Rocky caption, the Rocky quote added onto it about it. it's not um oh yeah can... yeah
2: it was the photo of... can... yeah. it, it, it yeah. was the photo of me uh, 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 in Lanzarote at the last race of last year where i basically passed out so, in the last k so are you comparing a race in lanzarote to a fight uh, well i didn't, i, I didn't space, I, I didn't construct the toast but it's the you did share it it's the i did but it's it's the it's the, it's the line isn't it it's it's the it's the it was rocky's approach to life that was the whole point of it.
1: About how hard you can get here. Yeah, yeah, it's forward. kind of
2: like you know that. What were these people doing to you during the race? <laughs> no, I just people put, throwing stuff I put myself in. I put myself into a place which was quite risky, and then just kept going.
1: The foreign fans really don't like the Brits so much, <laughs> and you
2: see them running up. Like, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Long. Ba- all I did was basically I went too hard too early, and then being hey, uh, there, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and the heat caught up with me later in the day, and I just went massively into the red, and then didn't know when to stop.
0: If people threw piss at you in a race, like Wiggins, would you take that as a sign that you've made it?
2: Nah.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think that's as big time as you get. I think, I think it's, like... only, it's
2: only the French that have got that in, lo- in their locker. Now, triathlon's quite a lot more respectful at the moment, so... <laughs>
0: um, I'd be a bit worried, to be honest. Next one. Would you rather a rewind button or a pause button for the rest of your life?
2: Uh, I...
0: I go rewind well, as in like you just literally you can rewind that moment and redo it so you can't go all the way we're not saying you can go all the way back let's say you can rewind the last 20 minutes
1: like a TV however long you've been watching for you can rewind from that moment
2: I think rewind's the easy choice there because yeah. it's like you know you could argue that it's just as good as pu- it, like you know it's with pause you you're going you, you're getting a second shot with the rewind anyway whereas the pause it just gives you longer in the moment pause i'm going all the way
0: to that city game last week and i'm moving aguero back a yard <laughs> then resuming <laughs> not sure how the transport situation is going to work to get me there. I'll what, have to walk. What was that show as a kid with the guy with the stopwatch? That I was about talk- to
2: say, Bernard's Watch, wasn't That's it? That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Bernard's Watch. I feel That's like Bernard
1: show. didn't take full advantage of that. He could have done a lot worse than he did. Where are you going with this? It's a sinister <laughs> <and> sound.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll say the rewind. Each time you sleep, that ends your rewind. So you can rewind as far back as when you last slept. Um, carrying on then, we just got two more. You've got two buttons in front of you. The first button gives you a million instantly transferred into your bank account. The second button gives you a 50-50 shot of
2: 100 million. Oh, my God. Uh, Which button
0: do you press? The
2: million. I'd go for the lower. lower. Because that sum of money for me at the moment was... At the moment?
1: Well, changed, well but as yeah, it is.
2: like I'm trying to say, like, you know, probably if you had that million, you that you start living a certain lifestyle, life, you'd be like, oh, maybe I should have gone for that hundred million. Yeah. But for the moment, that, that that would yeah. give me everything well, I could when's possibly well want. When was the last time you put a bet on? Uh, actually, funny you should mention this. Um, I did uh, a few of the boys at work uh, like do the standard weekend accumulator. It's a bit reminiscent of when we were in sixth form and we put went to the bookies and did like a. So I. I put on like a one pound accumulator. Did you cash it out? No, last weekend uh, when foot Everton. So I one pound uh, would have been one thousand three hundred back, um, and it was. Uh, and the game that didn't come in, t- come in was Everton losing to Fulham.
1: <laughs>
2: I was at, and I had a cash out option for forty quid or something like that when they when it was they were one nil down. So I
0: was just like, oh no, I might as well stick with it, but i th- I think I'd take the million I could live like a king on a million, and I think I could make it last as well yeah. I don't want for much
1: mm. um given in the in the circumstance, I'm definitely stupid enough to go for the fifty fifty option mm. I definitely would get tempted, but I'm hoping common sense would prevail and I'd pick a million would would if you if it didn't come in, would the regret send you mad but then I think I would treat it as well, I didn't have anything to start with, so you say that. I'm a swing at... But you're not in
2: this situation. I think you'd lose your head. You'd uh, go off the rails.
1: I Yeah, I might end it all, but that's <laughs> always an that option. All right, and just
0: finally, if your belly button wasn't at your button, what would you want pressing it to do?
1: <laughs>
0: uh,
2: I'd go with... Uh, well, I can pick anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, you can have a turbo for your races you press it and it gives you a little turbo like on a Need for Speed a like nitrous boost uh, yeah or drop a little banana behind you like in you know, a Mario yeah, Kart. yeah Mario Kart. <laughs> uh, let's go with uh, let's go with uh, switches the, the pain receptors off and just go with that tells them legs to shut up I think I'm either dispensing cherry coke or changing the channel well I just don't have to worry about a remote ever again I just press (laughs) press my belly button it just switches the channel for me
2: yeah but it's one it's one button yeah, i just that, keep pressing it. it.
0: What button does, what does it do
2: on the TV? Does it do volume? Does it do channel change? It's like a little universal remote. We all know that the TV guide these days isn't as simple as just going up and down the channels. You know, you've got category, you've got, category, you've pressed, got directional just buttons. Just press the
0: back button. I'll, I'll dispense my cherry coat with a bit of ice coming out intermittently. Where's
2: your, if, you, <laughs> if your
0: belly button's your forward button, where on earth is your back button? Don't ask that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Show you after.
1: <laughs> Maybe I'll just go for a record option. So whenever just just record if you're going on like night out things can get a bit sketchy just record go back and watch it the next day analyze it see where you could have gone a bit better.
0: I don't think you'd want to see it. Like there's the, there's the Black Mirror episode where have you have you seen this one? No. There's a Black Mirror episode where your eyes record everything, and um, you can essentially like beam it up on the TV. And uh, this bloke goes insane. Like he's convinced his wife's cheating on him, and he starts making a play from her memory and seeing whether she looked at him, whether she forced a laugh at his joke, and like he just goes insane. (laughs) All right, then, let's move on to some sports. We mentioned it earlier. So, City obviously went out of the Champions League despite beating Spurs last Wednesday night. They then went on to beat them in the Premier League on Saturday night. But if we take the league. Out of the equation for a second. Has it's Pep yeah <laughs> Has Pep failed at City if he doesn't win the Champions League?
2: I don't think he's I mean this is now his third season. Third season? Yeah. So I think it's if he walks away this season with three trophies, he's not failed, but ultimately they wanted him to be brought in Um, To win, to take that step up on the European stage. And I'd say this season was now the window where you start, you expecting that from the board should be expecting that. So, okay, even if he doesn't get it, I don't, it's not a failure yet, but if he misses the, if he doesn't get it next season and the season after that, then yeah, I'd probably go down that failure line.
0: So. People say they hate overreactions in sport. It's one of my favourite things to, to see to see the overreactions. And on um, Five Live, there was a woman who phoned up and she was debating with Robbie Savage as to whether you'd rather have um, Pep Guardiola or Rafa in charge of City <laughs> and who was the better manager. Um, so things like that, they're the best things you can possibly have We'll get on to some other things later. Um, for me, I think it all depends on how the title race goes. And I think if so last season... City were eliminated by a team that they finished twenty. They finished 25 points behind them in the league. Tottenham are currently 16 points behind them. And each defeat kind of brings a new wave of the saying, he did this wrong, he did this wrong. I think if the league is close, say for the next five years, the league is close as it is this, this year. Whether it's Liverpool, whether it's United, whether it's whoever. And say they win four of those five titles. I think it looks a lot better from then than if on paper they have a better result and they win the league by however many points they did last year, the best ever finish. I think it looks worse than if you don't win the Champions League. So Arsenal were invincibles in the one season. One of the main critiques is, well, they didn't do anything in Europe. If they're clearly that good, they should have done something in Europe. And so I think you need to be able to balance it there and say, well, we did this. But if you're doing that comfortably, then people will say, why can't you make the step up and start winning there? You could also argue as well that particularly with the cup runs
2: that they've had in terms of the opposition that they've drawn, um, it was a golden opportunity for them to do it. Even even the draw against us in the Champions League, out of all the other options, I'd say it was one of the better ones for them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's it's possibly um, a golden opportunity missed in the same way that it's now a golden opportunity for Spurs to go on and do it.
1: It's a good point you make about... Um... So the competitiveness of the league can kind of dictate whether you've been successful or not. In terms, of, It's the same criticism that's been leveled at uh, Barcelona and Juve now, isn't It's is that they need more Champions Leagues, or in Juve they get just any Champions League. But even Barcelona saying in the Messi era, we probably should have had one or two more Champions Leagues in here. And there's kind of the bracket is shortening in terms of how long we can do that. But in the whole time, they've won eight of the last ten leagues, I think. So these teams are comfortably the best domestically. And then need to prove it on the European stage. And that's, like you said, kind of what Pep was brought into to show. It's taken from, okay, we're a good club now. We want to be a top European club. I don't think he's necessarily can be judged as... Regardless this season, they're going to have probably two trophies as a bare minimum. I don't want to be dismissive of Watford in the FA Cup, but you'd fancy them to win that. Um, in the league, they're going to finish on 90 plus points, even if they don't win the league. Even Most people would probably still have them winning it because... They don't see United put much of a fight in midweek. Um, so, w- with that, you'd have a domestic treble, which is an unbelievable achievement and something everybody else would aspire to I don't think you can call it necessarily a failure, but I think they have to show more progression in the Champions League. In terms of, if they'd gone out to Barca, one of the, a top team who you thought, look, it was a 50-50 match going in, anything could have happened, and you're a bit unlucky or whatever, they might have been arguably a bit unlucky at Spurs, but the owners would have looked at it and thought Spurs followed by a game against Ajax is as handy a run to the Champions League final as you probably could have hoped for, not to be dismissive either of those two, but you won't very often see a run like that in the quarters in the semi-final. And The fact that his team haven't really been able to crack a dent in it is, I think, is a concern for the owners. It's
2: the fact that they didn't make it to the final as well. I think if, if he gets to the final this season, it's a different conversation. <laughs> Even, I mean, he hasn't, improved on where they've been previously. Um, I mean, he, without a shadow of doubt, when he was brought in, one of the main topics of conversation would have been that we've won our Premier League titles, we've won our domestic cups, the Champions League is where we want to go next and he hasn't managed to improve
0: on that at all. Well, to go off that then, so his teams have won the league title in seven of the last nine years as manager and you can add to that 10 domestic trophies and six continental honours. So, we are saying that, look, this is all well and good, but you can't properly judge him until he wins the Champions League without Messi. Mm -hmm. If you go back to December 2016, when it seems hard to uh, go back to now, um, Pep and Harry Redknapp were having a war of words across the media. And Redknapp said then, um, and that was in the middle of his first season at City when things weren't going as swimmingly as you'd hope, he said... He accused him of overcomplicating things to just to try and prove how clever he is. Yeah. And on paper that might seem stupid, but then you look at the game this uh, Wednesday and it arguably was lost in the first leg when they lost one nil. So Yeah definitely. So you look at that and they say it's become such a thing for him not winning the Champions League that he's now it's he's in his head so much that he's going against his instinct and he's trying to overcomplicate his plans. So Obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, he rested De Bruyne until the 89th minute because he was looking at Palace on the weekend. That backfired and De Bruyne was comfortably the best player in the second leg. Pick company on the basis that he, that he likely assumed Spurs were going to be punting the ball long to try and head it in with either Kane in the first leg or uh, Lorente in the second leg who obviously didn't come until later, and then company failed to deal with uh, Son properly because his legs can't take it. You see, something like that is a glaring, obvious error because, I mean, Son's our man in form. He's been our best
2: player all season and to not pinpoint him as our main focal point for attacking,
0: why, you know... In in terms of comparisons then, when City finally got the lead in the second leg, he brought on Fernandinho to close the game out. When City were in the ascendancy, they had Spurs where they wanted them. Mm. You don't always want to make comparisons, but if you look at Klopp in the Champions League compared to uh, Pep in the Champions League across the two seasons, I think the success is incomparable. Um, When Liverpool have seemingly been on the ropes, they've gone out to kill the game rather than to sit back and soak it up. Actually, the one time they tried to soak it up was against uh, Napoli in the group stage and that almost backfired from trying to do that. So I think that was one of the things. It just invited the pressure onto them. The pressure continued. I mean, we'll get onto the VAR, but he solved City's defensive habits in the league. But when you look at them in the Champions League, and it's it's glaring. I mean, in 570 minutes of ties against Monaco, Liverpool and Tottenham, after they were eliminated in all of them, uh, they conceded 15 goals. And you can't say like it wasn't coming because they conceded 12 goals in their 10 Champions League matches this season alone. Um, and they trailed in seven of the games. So they've constantly been trying to fight back. And City, when they need to take the lead early, we've seen that from them. The, the games when teams can bank in against them and it gets later into the game, it all becomes far less creative and it just turns into passing two, three, four times across the centre midfield and then punting it into the box and open You can get a drop down for Aguero
1: or, or something else there. Well, it's been highlighted a lot recently that Panic can set in in their team, and if something has happened with Pep's teams traditionally, anyway, but certainly with them, if if something goes against them, panic does kind of set in. And those two top goals in the second leg, I think straight away it was there was almost a feeling like city of oh, go, what we're going to do? And for the life of me, I'll never understand with teams like they've dragged themselves back in it. So, and then they're at a point where get another goal, you get yourself safe. Spurs get a goal, they're going to go through you've been in the ascendancy the whole time the momentum is with you you've scored these goals how have you not tried to press harder for an, another one With the amount of goals they got in their team I think they should be going and trying to kill the game and, and teams do it Liverpool kind of did it against Chelsea the other week where they went ahead got to two 0 and then there was a bit of a kind of ooh, a bit of a lull and Chelsea started getting on top of them and if hazard has scored one maybe both of those chances you could be talking about a different game I don't know if it's a, a psychological thing with teams where they kind of get to the point where they need to and then right we're sitting back carry on doing what you were doing
0: well it's certainly a theme when you look at the ways he's gone out of the Champions League so he's gone out of the Champions League eight times as a manager three times it was on away goals three times uh, his uh, players have missed penalties and three times they've absolutely battered the opponent and just not been able to get a goal that's been enough so I think they've just fallen short when They've needed to go for that extra goal in the sec- in the second leg. That's clear. And I think it's just his style of football. You need to adapt it in the Champions League. And we saw this with um, United in particular. When you look at the Champions Leagues in which they won in recent time. Well, at least the most recent one. So in the league, when they're playing against most teams, probably outside of Liverpool. They can bank on having... 20 chances allowing the other team to have five and knowing that they'll probably score two or three and at the most they're going to concede one in the champions league when you're playing at least at this level you give away those five chances the other team may score three and so i think it just highlights the differential if if you only get the five chances yourself but you restrict the other team to none then likely chances are you're going to go through so I think he just he he needs to be so stubborn on the game against Spurs at the weekend. Um, there was the choice where they could have brought on a defender, and they brought on S- David Silva, Silver. and yeah. he said it's almost a cheat code with him because you go against the against the ideas of what you should do. Sometimes it's it's labelled as what you should do because it is what you should do.
1: The state, yeah, the status quo isn't always wrong. Sometimes they are right, and you should follow it. Uh, I, I think he is probably guilty of. Overcomplicating, overanalyzing things at times. But. Well, the, the the match that sticks out for me when it comes to him,
2: uh, a classic case of him on. upon reflection now, of him overcomplicating it was uh, when they when he was at Bayern Munich and he uh, was against Barcelona, and he put he went in away at the new Camp with that rogue setup with like like it was kind of like he was trying to he was trying to play a. Barcelona set up with a Bayern squad, which didn't have the same players. He like had two defenders on the pitch, and he was like playing wingers or midfielders at the back. It was like out of, like you just looked at it and it's just gone. Well, it's just did gone, you start Xabi Alonso at centre back or something some, mental. Like yeah, that. something like that. You just remember it's a kid, right? This is either going to go really, really well, and everybody's going to call him the most like the, an absolute genius, or he's just literally going to be. It's kind. It was kind of like it's it's, it's it's a it's a dish. At a fancy restaurant <laughs> where chef's gone and gone overly complicated and there's too much in the way of like so and no. you get you, you get served and the person who's eating is going
0: what what the hell is this and, and sometimes yeah. you can be called a genius for far less on you'll never forget bringing on tim Kroll for penalties and van Howell being labeled a genius for bringing on a better penalty <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: then on the things, i do think he's had his fair share of bad luck now you say about the missed penalties in each one of these games it could be pretty different um even the Liverpool one where there was last year, where at times Liverpool were kind of battering and they were all over them, there were also missed chances. I remember Bernardo Silva right at the post. I think he missed one just slightly. The Spurs one, obviously, there's a, a hell of a lot of bad mm-hmm. fortune. The the VAR one, if it's not if you don't have VAR this year, say it's maybe starts next year, like it does in the league, they go through. You've got the Laurenti handball obviously the offside in real time. I don't think anybody really saw, and then when you just look back, it was obviously the right decision. So he has had like his fair share of bad luck as well. That's kind of why I'm. Reluctant to say, no success in the Champions League means you you've kind of got to look at him as a failure because luck does come into it, and he's knocked out a third. When you look at last season,
0: Sane had a goal wrongly ruled out for offside. Yeah, that would have taken him to be in a goal down and very clearly in the ascendancy.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and the year before, no, the last time he went out with uh, Barca against Inter, there was Yaya was stopped for a handball that wasn't a handball. He's had some horrible luck go against him. If we get onto the VAR before we move on on both sides of it. So first of all, if we look at the uh, handball that wasn't a handball or was, depending on what you think. For me, I don't think they were going to rule it out. But I do think the critique is the referee didn't get the best possible angle to make the decision. You look at the angle he was given. We saw an angle two minutes later, which looked... It zoomed in specifically in the area where it hit, you had it in slow motion rather than just them almost like playing with it on a computer, just fast rewinding forward, just showing it, just cannon off wherever it did uh, at a sideways angle where you couldn't properly see it. So I think it's good that we're looking at these things, but I think you got to give the referee the best chance at least.
2: I don't think it changes his decision though, regardless of what angle you give him.
1: I think it might have in real time, whether it should have is a different matter, but I think the ref. I thought he might overturn it when he saw it. I thought when they start looking at him that closely, I thought he might.
2: Even if it hits his hand, even if you're if you're hundred percent certain that it's his hand, then his his hands in a natural position, and it's not like there's that's not the
0: rule. That's not the rule in Champions League anymore, is it? It's if he's making your body bigger. And I'm not as necessarily saying I wouldn't say
2: was because it was it was literally it was in his body. I'm saying
0: it not necessarily would have ruled it out, but you've at least got to give the referee the best chance by showing him more than one angle. Yeah.
1: Especially if we're going to watch it then straight after he should. Um, I think I think Sean mentioned it in our group that essentially maybe he might not have been given that angle because in the current ruling, uh, there won't be a change till the summer. Uh, after the summer, it would be seen as a handball, but in the current circumstances, it's not because we've just mentioned about silhouette, natural position, blah, blah, blah. I I took it slightly differently. I thought it was hand wasn't in a, a natural position as such, but my sort of view of them is, have you gained an advantage by having the handball? And the hand hits the hip, which goes in. So if you take the hand out of it, does it still go in? I think it probably would have bounced off his stomach or side where it ended up going in. But I do think the people, some people generally, and maybe this is, goes back to your overreaction thing you said, but some people just kind of said, it's never a penalty in a million years. Other people have said, I don't see how you can give this penalty. I saw it as, I could see why they would overturn it because I said, ultimately, regardless of natural position, has him having his hand there, led to a goal, which technically you aren't allowed to hand the ball and then it goes to the goal. Has it been an advantage? Yes, so therefore I could see the argument for it given, but I think in the circumstances, I don't think I would have given um, a handball, I would have given the goal. If you go
0: then to the VAR decision that ended the game, do you think, do you not agree that it was both a dream for if you're pro VAR or if you're against VAR? Because if you're for VAR, then you're saying look, Spurs got The Spurs walked away with the win as they should have because of the offside goal being given properly. If you're against VAR, you're saying, look, you're taking the emotion out of the game. Now everyone has to second guess whether they celebrate or not. It should be done, not necessarily fast because it was done quite quickly, but it almost shouldn't be in a position where you get that time to celebrate before there should be someone who can quickly look at it or... You're basically saying, "Look, we don't want to have to second guess human emotion in case a computer overrides it." If it was anyone other than Spurs, and if it was Arsenal, then I'd be saying, "Look, I'm so happy with this." So if, if, I have to look at it without it being them, because like I was out of the room celebrating, and then I've come back and I <laughs> e- heard the words. I've heard the words VAR, and thought, "What the hell's going on here?" I think the best sorry, the best description I've seen was there's like a slow mo of Pep. And it, just, it was just captioned um, "Hope to hopelessness," yeah. and you see his eyes bulging out of his head, celebrating. So, so then he just drops to his knees.
2: You see, that's the thing. I mean, you say it takes the emotion out of the game; it, it doesn't. It just changes. It's like it changes the impact. It changes the way it's distributed in the time. How event. would you
0: feel if that was Spurs and you would celebrated that goal? I'd be absolutely gutted.
2: But I, what have I got to say? I, I, I can't. I can't say that it was no. Upside. I know.
0: But I'm, I, the argument you, people don't want to go th- have to second guess whether they can celebrate. We said before during the World Cup, every goal we scored, I was saying, "Is that VAR?" Because on a corner, you don't know if someone's offside by an inch or whatever. I the thing is though,
2: I I haven't had necessarily had a problem with that. I think it's when it's over when it's unnecessarily applied. So that I think there's certain scenarios where it's that tight, and in when there's clearly been sort of like a, I think there's something there. When you're checking it continuously, unnecessary just because of pressure from players on the pitch, like there was a lot of in the World yeah, Cup, yeah. then it doesn't work. But when it comes down to you know, if you you've just got the team and it's the it's in the heat like like it was tight and you know it's close and they're not just checking it for the sake of it, they know that it was really close. Then it's different, and it's as well the the fans have got to adapt to it still. I mean, it's it, we're in a period of adaptation change where people have got to sort of. Expect that that is now part of a game, and they will react differently to it. And I, I don't think it's going to lessen the footballing experience. I mean, you look in other sports where there are similar sort of things, and I, I, I get, I get that it's not like a the game's not in free motion in those other sports, but it, they love it. I mean, you know, it's they, it's that build up, that suspense. It, you know, it almost extends the experience of it. I think. I'm not overlit. You saying offside from a corner, by the
0: way. That was noted. <laughs> I mean but when like it's foul yeah, at the I mean right? when it's like yeah. knocked on and
1: then there's yeah. someone who's gone past. Yeah. But the um the the thing I thought, I thought it did kind of add its own drama in a way. So you can't say it takes away the drama because you couldn't get a much more dramatic conclusion than that. That thought they had a last minute when they then get stripped away from you. But it's whether that's sort of the right sort of drama we should be talking about. For example, if that Sterling goal was a perfectly legitimate goal, if we then have a situation where he can't fully lose his head like he does and celebrate because he's a little bit concerned. I will admit, that would take some of the magic away from it because, to me, that's what football's about. Last when winners like that celebrating like he did, celebrating like Pep did. It's sort of the magic of it, and completely understand if you're a Spurs fan, why well, it'd be quite funny to go back and watch that because it worked out brilliantly for you. But I, I do kind of—I never think I'll sympathise with City, but I can—I do feel for them in terms of. I can understand how you, what you'd be going through with that. And, but I, that's important to me. But also getting the right decision, I think, is more important. And Spurs did get the right decision. So, therefore, it, it, that has to kind of override everything else. If we'd been talking about afterwards that Spurs had gone out to an offside goal, they'd be feeling just as gutted as Pep was on the sideline in, in their own way. So, it, it got the right job done in the end, I think. I think, imagine, though, if the goals had been flipped. So, imagine if you had that goal there and the Llorente goal was as a decider, for example then you'd have a very different situation on your hands. Yeah. Then you have VAR in the last minute with a situation where no one's going to be happy because some people think it's handball and others don't. Then you'd have a far more difficult situation. And I do think that's probably going to happen at some point. I suppose
0: one of the arguments against VAR originally was it's going to take the debate out of football. And that's clearly shown that it hasn't <laughs> taken the debate out of football. I wouldn't recover if that was Arsenal and that happened to them. Like I would never, I would never get past that. <laughs>
1: I don't um, think I could if I was Sterling. I don't think I could ever get past him. Hell of a season though he's having, I think that would just be, in my head, rent free.
2: You, you're going to be able to recover if we go on and win it? Oh,
1: no, I said oh that God.
0: Arsenal will win the Europa and Spurs will win the Champions League despite them.
1: That would... <laughs> <laughs> oh. I do
0: still think they're going to blitz past Ajax, but we'll, uh, we'll move on. So, I
2: don't, I don't think we... What, what, I, I think there's a lot of Spurs fans at the moment that are a bit like... It's kind of a bit reminiscent of England's run in the World Cup in the respect that we're no, like this is a golden opportunity for us now, and a lot of people are looking at Ajax thinking they're not as dangerous as they are, and they're forgetting the momentum that they're also riding off at the moment as well. they will been two shot teams, like and it, like <laughs> you you put it down to like, but, like and then like people counter to me like a few Spurs players said to me they counter to that as yeah, but we're in a more experienced side when it comes to like as working as a team saying yeah, but Ajax have had much more consistent pedigree in the Champions League than we have. You know they've just got that that. Culture and belief in behind them, which you know we haven't had in you know a while. They're going to have in that setup. They've been in the Champions League every single season. Yeah. I, I think mm.
1: I, they are in deep now. I
2: I am very pleased that the first leg is at um, is at the new state is at home. I think that's quite crucial because I think if if they get on a if they get a swing of momentum in that first leg and put two, three past us, which they're perfectly capable of. I mean, that, I watched them against Juventus and they look dangerous. They play some
1: unbelievable stuff as well. So be interesting to see if they, again, handle the occasion because it's an opportunity for them as well. They'll be looking at it thinking Spurs aren't Juve or mm. Madrid. They aren't. They'll be thinking, we've already beat two good teams or we're, we're one not quite a good team away mm. from the Champions League final. Mm.
2: And the, and the thing is, as well, like you then got say we get past Ajax, I have no idea who I'd prefer in that Champions League <laughs> final. Do you know? Part of me, I, I think, would, I would get too fussy. I, think <laughs> I think I'd, I think I'd want Barcelona, not because I think it'd be the easier tie, because I don't think either of them are the easier tie. It's just the fact, right? If we're going to go in with the Champions League, I'd rather go and go against the yeah. arguably the biggest team in the world. Give it a go. I, and the thing <laughs> is, as, and, and the thing is as well, Liverpool as well. They've been to that Champions League final recently, and it's kind of like that we're not going to make that mistake again and if things have gone a different and way in League, this time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I,
0: so you know ideally for me Barcelona in the final is well, us get out of there now before we uh, move on then to another topic so if you kind of move nicely from Ajax so two years ago was it Ajax and uh, United met in the Europa League final if you look at the trajectory both have gone on since then United have just lost their seventh game in eight losing 4-0 to Everton away can uh, I have made the mistake of gloating before I'm with Arsenal, but we'll maybe talk about <laughs> we'll maybe talk about them next week uh, so we can get everything in. It's easy in hindsight now to say whether Solskjaer should or shouldn't have been appointed as manager. If I first ask, do you think he dealt with the loss in the right way? Because he's come out essentially and said, "Look, I'm going to be successful here. It's not going to be without these players."
2: I think if you're riding off. And if you're committed to having him there, it's the right way of handling it. However, I think it's also quite naive, and he it's the realization of the power that certain players, ha- like powers players, have now. And as we've said many times before, it's easier to switch a manager than it is a large, a hefty, hefty price purse of players. I I think it's it's nice. It's a bit it's a bit reminiscent of Tim Sherwood in terms of he <laughs> he was very good. Is very good at saying what everybody wants to hear, but it's not necessarily going to be the way forward and the answer that you really. I mean, he need. had the best
0: win percentage, so it probably was the right way forward. <laughs> not, and That's uh, nah. personality of the year that you're referring to as well. Per-
2: personality of the year for do it for all the things that you got on the nominated for, not in that year. Okay.
1: Every year,
0: outstanding <laughs> contribution to sports. Um, So, the thing I would say, first of all, the thing that griped me was everything was kind of prefaced with following the game. You have to bear in mind, United are one of the biggest teams in the world. You you take that out of it. At the moment, nobody plays United fearing them. No. There was maybe a 20 minute spell against uh, Barca where they put some kind of fear in them and then it was back to how they've been constantly. Unai Emory finished Solskjaer, I will say that. <laughs> So when it comes to a club that is building, and I think this is what you've seen at plenty of clubs, you take the personalities out of it because you need a team. And if you are constantly saying, well, Pogba's this great player, Pogba's this, Pogba's that, and this is, I think, what Gary Neville was alluding to, you're not going to get anywhere with that. And he needs everyone on that pitch. Solskjaer's style, we haven't seen it yet because he's changed it so many times, but it seems he wants to play quick attacking football where they're going to get the ball back quickly and attack again. If you have, and we said this with Liverpool, where it was maybe going wrong at times, was you need everyone on that pitch capable of doing that job, or you can't go, you can't go forward with it. So if you have maybe two, three players that aren't committed to that success, then it's not going to work. It does also seem now that it's not just Jose; the same names are cropping up as being the ones that are troublemakers. Alexis doesn't so much seem as a troublemaker; he seems more as just a hindrance to have there. Martial is one who's constantly chucked in there. Maybe he is he's obviously a good player, but does he think he's better than he is? Pogba is obviously the clear one when you're paying a guy that much a week. You're having that. Lukaku, they say, the effort isn't always there, but I'm sure there's plenty of other players and it's a lot easier said than done to kind of cull half a squad over the summer. Mm-hmm. You can do it on a football manager and it's very, a lot of fun to do it, but United aren't going to get rid of half that squad this summer. So I don't know if it's the right move to alienate half of that squad that may think he's referring to them moving forward because for someone he doesn't he doesn't have that respect. He's not like at the club he's not if they if you were doing uh I forgot the uh title of it. Say you were doing all their legends. What's the Class ninety two? No, uh I don't, I'm I'm alluded to it. They- Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore, I got there. If you're doing your Mount Rushmore of United stars, Solskjaer is not going to be on there. He's not someone like Zidane where he goes in at Real Madrid and no matter what he does, he commands a certain level of respect. That level of respect for Solskjaer can go very quickly if things aren't going their way. And even if people aren't happy with him, they aren't necessarily going to look at him and say, I don't agree, but I can respect him because of who he is. So he needs to maybe watch who he's turning on and make sure he has enough onside at least before he turns on the others.
1: On the flip side, I thought from a sort of PR point of view and in terms of his own job safety point of view, I thought it was a genius move because predominantly online and certainly at the games, the blame is being placed with the players who aren't putting in enough effort and the board. So he's kind of managed to maneuver a situation whereby everyone's saying, wow, look, what's he got to deal with here? he's got a big rebuilding job on it's not his fault and it's it's, i think rightly in some regards the players are having to face up to the responsibility and also the board in terms of the the money spent and the return that they've ended up having for it ed woodward seems to be the guy sort of the full guy i don't know if he's responsible for everything that seems to have gone on there it seems to be popular that um he does get the blame So. I wasn't on the week you guys spoke about whether Solskjaer was the right appointment. I did listen to it and I, I partially agreed with all of you on it. I, But my view then, as it is now, is, and this has been fast forwarded a little bit, I thought they might get off to a rough start at the start of next season and people would be having these conversations. Instead, it's happened quite quickly. Yeah. But I, my view was, history is going to be rewritten to say that it was an emotional decision, should never have appointed him because everyone's speaking in hindsight. But people are speaking without remembering the context of the time with which it was. Solskjaer's on an unbelievable run. They've got to give him the job. People were saying, give him it tomorrow. Or whatever. It was a case of whoever then got the job instead of him, be it Poch, be it whoever, then has that ghost there that they just can't outrun. As soon as they hit a bad patch, which this United team is going to at points, it's going to be straight away, well, Oli didn't have this. Oli, you know, he was winning all the games. And straight away, it becomes a case of, a very good manager could struggle under the weight of that. And when you've got Solskjaer there, as he would have been as a sort of backup option, you quickly then sat the next guy and get him back in, expecting it to all go sort of sunny, sunny times again. And you end up in exactly the same position. So as much as we can look and say they should have gone for someone else, I think it's quite easy for us to say that sat here now, months on from the event.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I thought it could go wrong. And I said when we did it on our 100th episode that You're going to find out what he's made of once you get a bad patch. I thought they were going to stand firm and not actually appoint him and wait to the end of the season. But then does this happen if he's not appointed? Is it kind of directly... Are they playing for him because they're comfortable there and then that kind of intensity goes when you're secured, you don't have much to play for for the rest of the season? Are they writing off top four or whatever? So... I don't think they're going to sack him because United, they keep telling us they're not this team that sacks managers after not giving them a chance while simultaneously sacking managers (laughs) and not giving them a chance. I think it looks better for Jose. And if I was to, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, I still think he's going to come back and win another Champions League before he retires with someone because he's going to get a golden opportunity somewhere. He's going to be looking and being incredibly smug, but it's maybe can be two things. It can be that he was, was, uh, he'd run out of ideas, he was terrible for the job. And the players are awful.
1: Yeah, I've never seen someone's reputation grow so much when not being there. It's incredible when you see some of the stuff of. There's been two things. it has been that has been said about him that, you know, oh, well, it wasn't him all along. Forgetting the fact that they were absolutely dreadful. They weren't to, people were not turn. People saying about this Everton performance that it wasn't great. Turned in the performance like they did against Liverpool again. I don't think that happening happen against Under Ollie. I think there would be a, at least a sort of base level of trying that wasn't there for that game. Um, and he also created this team largely. He's the one who, the stat about the them having all these offenders they still on in 2012, Well, he could have rectified it. He's, he's the one who spunked over 300 million and didn't rectify it. So if he's this great manager, he would have sorted the problems out. The other thing is that they've changed it to... Uh, Maybe Jose was right this whole time. One of his best achievements was coming second with his squad. You're forgetting the fact that City were miles in front of everyone and nobody else was any good. (laughs) Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs. None of them were good enough to even come anywhere near. They were all massively inconsistent and United had a little bit more consistency to them with a better squad with more money. That's how he came second. It's not too hard to do. So I'd never quite get how by the team that you have used to manage are being shit somehow your reputation is enhanced by it. It makes zero sense to me.
0: I mean, that's what Jose lobbied at. Rafa, when that inter-team went to shit. Um, I mean, we're going to see this uh, kind of transfold over the next couple of weeks, so we'll certainly get back into it. But for now, we'll see what they do in the derby on Wednesday, whether they roll over. I think the first goal there is going to be very important. I, I, I I think it could get brutal. I think the worst thing Liverpool fans can do is actually go into that with any hope. And yeah. as much as you can say you won't, you're going you're gonna to steep down.
1: Well, it's a little bit like Gary Neville said. They have to have a reaction to that other game. You'd think in whatever the next game was after that, there should be a reaction. Your cross-city rivals, there should be a reaction. But they do have that, that awkward uh, catch-22 of, do they really want to win this game as well? So I I don't think it's going to be an option for them whether they want to win it or not. I think City could take that out of their hands pretty quickly.
0: I don't think the fans are going to be pressure them too much because the fans are going to say if they lose oh well we're <laughs> yeah. sorting them out but. for me in this
2: situation I think to um, worry about other people's success is a terrible sporting mindset to get into you couldn't focus agree with your you, <laughs> I you focus agree, you focus uh, the best mindset and the most reliable mindset you go into is you focus entirely on what you're doing and your own success you forget what other people are doing say if they go and beat City at the weekend and Liverpool gone on and win the league, All right, great, but you now have to go. You from this, from every day, you've got to try and build in the right direction to improve your position. And if you go into the mentality of oh, we're gonna just, we're gonna try and, we're gonna try and limit other people's success by losing, like you know, it's kind of a bit like the mentality just be win, win, win to get back to where you were. So.
1: you take it out of Liverpool's hands. Louder for those at the back, Alex. Absolutely, oh. and that used to be United's mentality, but for whatever reason, seems to have fallen away. And I get why you wouldn't want Liverpool to win. Hundred percent get it. But to the point where you you want your own team to lose, uh, that's kind of got to be where a line's drawn for me. And so, but as I said, I don't think they're going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be optional for them. It takes
0: us back nicely to our intro where. Alex, perhaps, is worrying about other people where he went out too soon in his race, and then he's learned to just worry about himself (laughs) and then paces himself and comes through. So, we'll move on now to a uh, slightly more rogue topic. (coughs) Continuing on, then, from the farce that is Manchester United, we're going to put ourselves in a hypothetical situation. We won't just put Alex in it this time. On this occasion, the purge is taking place all over the world and it's starting. We'll say next week, we've got the chance here to go through the footballing world, past and present, across all leagues, and we're going to say who fits into what kind of person during the purge, and who would best fit those, and then who we would want to be part of alongside if we need to try and survive. So the three categories are survivors, so this kind of fits into the people that aren't actively going out trying to kill people. They're the people that are actively trying to make sure they stay alive, not necessarily just tucking themselves up for the whole night. But their first priority is protect myself and keep going. The next category then is the psychopaths. So this is the people who are actively going out. They've been looking forward to this purge. They're going to make their way around everybody and they're going to cut off as many people as they can in whatever way they deem possible. There, there's a squad of them, so it's even harder to do. Whether they work together or not, we'll get into that, and we'll say how long we think these group or these individuals would last in a purge situation. Finally, we've got kind of a mixture of the two here. So, a group of people that aren't necessarily going out trying to kill people, but they're by no means just trying to look out for them, just trying to look out for survival either. They're uh, petty crimes, whether that be. Uh, graffiti whether that be injuring people whether that be uh, looting all sorts and we say who we think fits into that as like a little band of them together so if we start off then with say a survivor and if i kind of set the tone here for me can i, can I just say i have got no survivors in my squad i'm going on the attack <laughs> we've, got, we've got three separate categories and they have to see what fits in they're not just a squad You've, uh, missed, you've missed. You've uh, missed. Uh, I've the reviewed their characters and so
1: they're they're psychopaths. Clearly, uh, no. I
2: just like you know went into this thinking, right? I'm going out. I'm going out there to win the purge. I'm not going out <laughs> to survive it. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: we're gonna tackle. We're gonna tackle a survivor first. And so, for my first port of call is John Terry. <laughs> now, I think the first and most obvious thing to say is, look. Any bloke that can be caught on camera calling a fellow competitor a black CNX Tuesday, racist and foul language, and then end his career with a guard of (laughs) honour, he clearly has some kind of survival technique here. We can can see from his character he's not afraid to do what he has to do to get by, but I also think he's not one that's going to go out there and just try and slaughter the whole of uh, England or wherever we are in this situation. So Terry fits in nicely to be a part of uh, the survivor group, I think.
2: I think I can get in one of mine then. Joey Barton, mainly because definitely a psychopath.
0: Definitely, definitely could go on the aggressive
2: stance. However, you think of what up until what he's now just gone and done. Think of all the other stuff he's gone and he's still not been banned from the world of football behind bars, or he's still out there and he's managed to land himself... He has been banned in- from the world of football just for gambling. And he, was,
0: and he was banned previously by the fact he went to prison. But
2: I mean, you, you know, what he's just done, he's done in a managerial role. I mean, how he's managed to land himself a managerial role in the first place, that takes survival.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, for me, Barton fits categorically into what makes a psychopath. <laughs> I think if you take uh, putting out a cigarette in the next teammate's eye... Then that's probably about as psychopathic as anyone on this list. In fact he may arguably be the ringleader because he's quite intellectual isn't the right word, but he's certainly not dumb by any means. He could be a good ringleader for your psychopaths.
1: Would have been so interesting to see his interview at Fleetwood when he first gets Look, so on the C V you do have <laughs> assault you have assaulted um a youth team player Glass someone. What have you got to say? Come on, I've been on question time, alright.
0: Well, the first thing he's going to say is, look, Nile Ranger coming in for the job? If you look at our two CVs combined, I'm yeah. probably not as bad. The other thing that's actually worked against them, I don't know if you've seen this. So, at the time of this happening, um, Fleetwood were filming a behind-the-scenes documentary, <laughs> including they were filming them in the tunnel, and they were filming them before and after the games. So there's a high percentage chance that they have on camera whatever has happened.
1: Well, at the very least, it's...
0: they've probably got footage of him being a psycho
1: elsewhere. Like, <laughs> Netflix is definitely bagging that up. <laughs> My, uh, I guess a nice little segue from John Terry. I had Wayne Bridge as a survivor. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah. if you can survive in the public eye, you may have an offer with the mother of your kids, and you've come back. People like you more. You've gone out with a Saturday. Frankie, no less. That is true survival spirit. I admire it. Yeah, he actually managed to spin it into a positive. He ended
0: up on a celeb off the back of it. He probably doesn't get that without it. I mean, on on the plus side for him, like he knew that she was a dirtbag anyway. <laughs> um, clearly, he would have found out eventually. So for it to be so public and for it to be who it is, he managed to swindle them against Terry. I mean, it did wind up with him out of Chelsea, but he actually then wound up into the arms of a Saturday. Would it have worked otherwise? He may not have had the chance and they may not have known who he was. They may have gone, look, I'm not bagging any top celebrity, but people know Wayne Bridges. So, so better that Terry did it than a stranger on the street, you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And if any, I mean, we've heard of civ- uh, like civilian women in America trying to like trap a uh, trap a ball player. He impregnated Frankie very quickly.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Locked that down. You he was like, "Look, it. I'm against abortion. I don't stand for that, <laughs> and I don't really want to be a single dad. So we lock this in together. <laughs> Survivor story."
1: you've got our speech rehearsed
0: no because i'd have to bag the uh, <laughs> female celebrity to start with All right. so if so we've got we've tackled psychopaths we've tackled um survivors ticket just to check where was where's your stance on where barton goes <laughs> because i mean terry's not a nice bloke but barton would have a field day with bridge we can't have bridge or terry in the same squad either.
1: Yeah, Barton would be such a loose cannon to have around as well. I think Gallic essentially has got a group of psychopaths on his hands and he's trying to filter it out, get him elsewhere. Yeah, I've got to have Barton in the psychopaths for me. In terms of um,
0: like petty criminals, then there's plenty of things that can go by. For me, I've actually got Neymar as the first one on my list, and uh, uh, petty may be the wrong way, or it could be to do with heavy petting, I suppose.
1: Consider incest a petty crime? Do you? Well, for, for me,
0: he's not killing anyone, and if if you if you weigh <laughs> yeah. up incest and killing someone, then it probably I'd lean on the other side of that. Frankly, I don't have any uh, sisters. <laughs> but
2: Neymar's not getting near this perch squad. Yeah, he's no. he's not got he's not got it made. He's not what it's made of.
0: Well, he's. Not everyone's killing someone. This is the whole thing of the purge. The purge is all crimes for twenty-four hours illegal. He's going public with his sister.
1: <laughs> He's going full Game of How's fun. that
0: adding to the squad though? They're three separate squads. One squad is trying to survive. One squad uh, is trying to do I'm some with petty crime. And you. one squad is just psychopathic trying to kill everyone. All right, I, I got
2: one. I got one for this category then. So, Levetsi. No, no. Mafia connections. <laughs> Obviously, the mafia are going to be having a field day during this during this sort of uh, this this purge itself. He's going to be able to bring in resources. He's going to have connections. He's going to sort you out a good safe house. When things go down, he's going to be able to call in the boys. You know, Levetsi <laughs> is your man who's got those mafia connections. He's your boy who's going to potentially build that build that team that uh, that wider that wider network around you to help sort you out.
1: I'm gonna go then.
0: do you have another survivor for us?
1: Another survivor? Um, I was going to go with, and I've got two choices for this, so I'll I'll, I'll include them both for the similar reasons. I've got Craig Gardner and Michael Brown. (laughs) Both on the basis of, they forged Premier League careers on little to no talent, but survived everything. So different managers came and went. Formations came and went. Styles of play came and went. They never really enhanced any of them yet both managed to retain careers at clubs. Craig Gardner did a tour of the Midlands clubs. Michael Brown, I think he must have had hundreds of games for Spurs, Fulham, Pompey, I think he played for Wigan. So each club still continued taking him despite just being a thug. And for that reason, his incredible survival skills. Galas did his tour of the North London clubs. He was kind of a uh, partial one that I was going to mention, but for
0: me, I was going to go for him
1: He'd have a meltdown as yeah. soon as things went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas
0: Anelka was one, and it's kind of by the same merits for what you've had those players. So he's one of the um, most uh, professional players, had the most different pro clubs. Uh, when you look down his list, then he's not even been at kind of a lower level doing it. He's had 12 different clubs, 13 different transfers <laughs> um, PSG, Arsenal, Real Madrid, back to PSG, Liverpool, Man City, Fenobachi, Bolton, Chelsea, Shanghai, Shenhua, Juve, West Brom, and Mumbai. <clears throat> when he needed to he's gone to Bolton <laughs> Is there's any more clear thing he's lived I'm sure in a nice place in London with uh, Arsenal and Chelsea he's, he's seen China he's seen uh, Paris <laughs> and he's still happy to go down to Bolton because
1: he wants a wage and he's going to survive it shows how much things have changed in football when Allardyce signed him for Bolton people asked him do you consider this a gamble? <laughs> How different did the two things go for both of those parties? Uh, he's got Kevin Davis
0: in his squad, and he's thinking, "Okay, now it's just a gamble, have yeah. not <laughs> they This Allardyce has also worked with Barton, worked with Noel Ranger.
2: <laughs> if you're going along those sort of lines in terms of you know well-travelled um, among an international scale, I think you've got to put in Owen Hargreaves. Can switch, can switch, per, can switch uh, nationality to a multiple different options at varied points. You know, if this goes on an international level and he needs
1: to switch sides, he's your man. Could you imagine being in a survival group with him though? Just be, you'd be in the middle of dinner and you'd just start talking about the Bundesliga and it's, uh, when he was at Bayern. Bi- Owen, oh, shut up for five minutes. We're want to survive here. And well, the t- last time I saw an axe like that, I was in the Bundesliga.
0: <laughs> also, I mean, can you bank on him in an escape situation as a
1: survivor? He's definitely getting injured. Well, this was I got another survivor in there was Wilshire. Just because to, to have that many injuries and still be going is a remarkable fate in itself. It's it's quite easy if you is, don't is Wilshire still going? I not he just came back again. So if well, On that basis you'd have Andy Carroll. He'd be the guy in the film who's perennially injured and people have to like carry him through it, but he's there. Whether you like it or not, he survives.
0: Yeah. Andy Carroll and Wilshire are both on uh, over a hundred grand a week. So that probably shows you West Ham's transfer strategy. Maybe,
1: Yeah, but Did you get our agents in here, maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah, but go back onto Wilshire. If you know, he's being carried all the way through the film and you know, with the intention
0: that hopefully he's going to actually do something at the end was made it all worthwhile. That's not <laughs> the case with Wilshire. Well, I'm taking, uh, and I'm, I'm sure others have them, but maybe not in the same squad. I'd actually take Sergio Ramos in my survivor squad. Wow. And I think when you kind of outline Eighty-nine percent of his goals have come when his team has been drawing or losing. That's impressive. He's done it on the biggest occasion. Purge is a pretty big occasion (laughs) when we need here. He's willing to do what it means for the team. When you look at Salah, I mean, didn't necessarily, yeah, he's done that there. And I think in our survivors squad, we're going to have some stronger people. Terry's probably on the stronger side. Wayne Bridge is on the weaker side. (laughs) I think Ramos is someone you need because. Terry, I don't think, he's going to drag these weaker guys through. Ramos, I think, you can put someone in next to Ramos. You could put, say, I won't go as far as Mustafi. You could put a weak centre-back in next to him. You could put a weak man in next to him. He's going to carry him through. He's going to boss him and get him where he needs to be. And I think Ramos is going to help the rest of your survivors
1: and save them when needs be. Completely disagree. I think he's a um, he's type that, as long as he's okay, he doesn't really care if there's a shit centre-off next to him. He ain't going to help you through the game. He's going to look a million dollars. And if no one else does, he doesn't really care. Uh, I've got him in... He has to be in the petty criminals. If anyone's, if anyone is going out and looting, he 100% his. It's going to be a race between him and Suarez to get out there first. Um, yeah, he's got to be in there for me. Um, and to round up a third one for that, Deli A 100% in the petty criminals, including illicit prostitution.
0: I've actually got Suarez in my Survivor Squad. <laughs>
1: and I look... You're going to your own definition. Yeah.
0: Well, I looked mainly at um, his handball against Ghana, and I thought when he needed when he needed to pull out his survival instincts, he did, and he sacrificed himself. In this situation, he's probably not going to sacrifice himself, but <laughs> he's maybe going to take a shot to the arm. He's going to do something, and he's maybe going to help the rest of the team. But also, I do concede that could go into the petty uh, criminal side. Are we
2: counting his biting as petty criminal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, when you weigh up maybe what Barton did, then biting does look more petty than uh, than Suarez.
1: Suarez would, if he found a gun, he'd empty it into someone. He'd shoot one person with all the whole range. He'd be like, well, this way, the gun can't be used to kill all of us. I've just used it to kill one. That's I've taken one for the team. I mean, you said
0: about uh, Dali Ali uh, nicking things. With the petty criminals, I actually put Lingard in here. Because we, you, you see the way he bounces around. Like He definitely he has ideas about his station. He's going to be walking around nicking the pick-a-mix from Cineworld. He's going to do a lot of little things. He's going to maybe rob a couple of DVDs, Xbox games, and try and ship them after. But I don't think he's a guy who's going to be particularly trying to kill people. In fact, he might spew and go home when he sees that start happening. <laughs> I mean he nicked Jennifer Frooms, which is outrageous enough. <laughs> And he did that when there was no purge going on. Shall we get into some psychopaths? I think that's... uh... Yeah, we're skirting
1: around the psychos.
0: So I had Pepe in here. And I looked mainly at one incident. And he's one of my most hated players ever. In 2009, it was against uh, Hatafe, I think. Um, He went absolutely mental um, on Javier Casquero. And there's a clip where you'll see where he pushes Casquero in the back and he's sliding. And he tries to boot over the top of him and his studs go across his back. And then he stomps on his back twice and he um, starts bouncing his head off in the grass. Jesus. He absolutely just lost the plot. Pure psychopath. And if I think of someone like a
1: Creston in football, he would be on my list. Yeah, he's good. He 100% has to be in there, right up there. Um, go back a little bit further, Gattuso. Similar vein. Never far away from a scrap. Uh, he would would 100% be going out to hunt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you'd find Joe Jordan, and we could answer the question: What would have happened if they'd thrown down? I don't understand why this was deemed as like a fifty-fifty. Less than fifty-fifty. People were saying, "Look, Joe Jordan would have given him a hiding." <laughs>
0: Absolutely outrageous that that was considered <laughs> to be it. I'm going way back, and I've got Maradona in my team of psychopaths. Wow. We can. I mean, we can look alone at his behaviour at the World Cup, and that was <laughs> <laughs> that was psychopathic. But if you look then. Uh, Further on, I mean, the hand of God, psychopathic. He uh, failed a drugs test at the 94 World Cup, high level. He um, shot journalists with an air rifle after they wouldn't leave his property. Um, He tested positive for cocaine while playing for Napoli. Um, He was filmed beating his mistress. He's got links to the Italian mafia. (laughs) He's as psychopathic as you can get, and especially when you see people outside of football that still kind of carry on that psychopathic nature he's absolutely up there yeah well we said didn't you they should have a fan cam on him for the whole of the world cup and just <laughs> see what he gets up to <laughs> and he fell off the balcony about eight times
1: he made the world cup come on it was part well, of the magic of it.
0: he you have to be a psychopath I mean I don't want to talk down on the subject but you're bad enough if you're beating your missus when she's got you on facebook live and you carry on <laughs> that's fairly psychopathic. He's, up. He, I mean, he'd be straight in my team. I'm not sure how well you'd lead him, but I feel as like the psychopaths, you're going to struggle to get a unit together there. I think they're going to go together
1: until it starts to get hairy and then they may turn on each other. I think Roy Keane's the man to pull them together. I think he's clearly a psycho in terms of actively admitting he would go out in games, taking it upon himself, like, Look, we've got these other players who are going to try and score, I'm going to Find their best player and munch him. So he would be doing that in the purge-like scenario. He would be able to, I think, gain the respect to these other psychopaths and kind of rein them in a little bit and form some sort of order before they probably end up turning on each other as well.
0: All right.
2: So if you've got these guys, like you've
0: got like
1: somebody I like I say the uh, word on Keane for you. Go, Go
0: on then. Um, that tackle on Haaland, I've never before seen someone like you. See people with their gripes, and it usually. Happens maybe off the ball or it happens before and after the game. I've never before seen other than once where there was the uh, Emre Bellazoglu one and was it uh, Didier Zakor where he'd racially abused him and he spent yeah. the whole game booting him. Yeah. But this one was where there was a gripe beforehand and he's then gone out of his way and ended his career all for telling him to get up when he was <sighs> yeah. injured. That was literally, when you break it down, well, had he done a ligament or something and he said, Harlan stood over him and told him to get up and basically stop wimping about it. Yeah, and yeah. he kept that with him for a whole another season to then go and end his career the next time he played. That's he choice. actually got off very lightly when you look at it.
1: Well, I think he actually the guy did actually end up going on to play, but not for very long after. I think so. Maybe that's why he got away with it.
2: So, like, you've got these, you've got these potential leader psychopaths. You're going to need a few boys who you wouldn't necessarily think of as psychopaths, but they're going to have to be on the spectrum on a certain level to be able to go and do what's being asked of them. Um, you know, you you, you know, it's kind of like the special forces boys. You know, they're probably a lot of them do register on the spectrum because they're capable to push him <laughs> yeah. a little bit further. You mentioned him the other week, Nemanj Vidic Definitely, he's going to be able to go to a places where well. some people won't be able to go. Ivanovic as well. Basically, you go into the few of the Eastern European squads, you could pick a few of those boys and just know.
1: Ivanovich might be a survivor for the Jeff Shrews interview. So he managed to get through that. I
0: think Villich is a nice one because he fits well into the category of um, he's a contract killer, isn't he? He's got, no, he's got no emotion about it. He's not going to yeah. be a psychopath on the basis of
2: you. You tell him to go and do something. He was not going to hesitate. He's not going to question. He's it. like
0: um, he's your man. He's like uh, Terminator Two, mm. the, 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 the uh, evil Terminator. And the way he's going on there with no emotion, just one job to kill—it's just business.
2: That's all it is to him. And yeah. um, you could also go along the similar lines of, although I don't think it's psychopathical, I think it's more intelligence. But at the same level, it's you know, Diego Costa.
0: You know, mm. he's definitely going to be able to. You know, you, you tend to go and right. I Has want he to got that him. in him when it gets tough? I don't think he's surviving long. Can We've he, seen what happens when it gets dished back to him. Maybe you put him in the survivor category then.
1: I think he capitulates.
0: I don't think you want him around your other survivors. <laughs> that would be so that would be like the horror film where you could quite easily go and hide somewhere, or he would be the one where you say, Look, whatever you do, don't read this one line out loud six times, and Costa's gonna take himself to the corner yeah. and he's gonna that, read it out loud six no, times. That, that's
2: Mario Balotelli. That's Mario Bellatelli. And like really You know, you know, s- struggling with a bib and also not being able to rap. He's Having a- Carlos Tevos tell you to rap Christmas presents properly on the Man City television. <laughs>
0: he's your boy who's he- gonna take he's gonna be that the idiot in the horror scenario. I actually think he's the petty criminal. He's just gonna be like firing uh, fireworks of people off the rooftops. For him, you don't know actually what's true and what's not. There were so many ridiculous stories. He didn't go around paying for people's petrol and nando's. <laughs> this was in the smartphone era as well. Yeah, so would
1: have
0: nobody documented him, but he was just going around doing this. I think he definitely fits the the petty criminal nature. Even for that stupid flick he tried doing in a friendly, that was that <laughs> petty enough. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: have we actually
0: got? All right, so survivors. We have uh, Terry. We have uh, Jerry Barton. He's a psychopath. Oh,
1: okay, chief of the psychopath.
0: Right, psychopaths we have Keen Vidic, uh, we put a Maradona in there, yeah. Barton, um I'm trying to think who else is Suarez. Uh, being said. Suarez, Psyche, Suarez, is Suarez is Suarez Survivor, is Suarez a petty criminal?
1: Even a hundred a petty criminal.
0: We need to bolster our petty criminals as well. So petty criminals we have Suarez, who was your first one? I about? said the Vetsy for the uh the mafia connections. Who was your first one you said for uh Petty? Uh,
1: Ramos and Alien
0: we put him Ramos as a petty. We put him as a survivor. We put him as a psycho. He actually could be the one that bands everyone together in the <laughs> in, in the end.
1: I do just think he'd be a petty criminal. He would. He wouldn't care.
0: We'll take him.
2: He's going to be a muscle in that petty criminal squad as well. You know, when you isolate the squads, in particular, you need a bit of strength there.
1: <laughs> we we've got, also got quite a range of petty crimes as well. By the way, we've got. Lavezzi in there on the basis of he's got gang connections and then we've got Neymar in there on the basis of his incestuous relationship.
0: <laughs> oh, so, well, Garrison has just been autocorrected from Gattuso so that would be very different. <laughs> As psychos, we have Keane, Vidic, Maradona, Barton and Gattuso.
1: Natural
0: choices. Petit, Suarez, Lavezzi, Ali, Ramos and Neymar. Yeah. Survivors, we have Terry, we have Bridge. Are we putting in one of the uh, people who've been around the clubs?
1: Give it Gareth Barry.
0: You said an Elka, didn't he you? He's
1: an incredible survival ability. Do you think
0: he glad he went to City or should he have gone to Liverpool?
1: I don't think he probably stays awake at night thinking about that one. I think that's probably a fair decision.
0: <laughs> um, who else? We need any more survivors, than anyone wants to throw in the mix? Because anyone, well, if we just chuck some out there, cause we can, we can shift some out if needs be from our squads because they're almost all full.
1: Feel like I've mentioned a lot of the ones
0: I've I've got. Uh I had I actually had Charlie Adam down as a psychopath, and that was strictly on the fact that he not only went after Bale once, but the second time went back and did the exact same thing, and we still don't know what he had against Bale. Just a thug. Just a thug that well, I
1: did enjoy how much Spurs fans hated him though. It was quite something to behold. It was a preseason friendly, for God's sake. <laughs> Knockout should be in on the same basis. Jesus Christ, he's got an awful challenge in him.
0: I had uh, Harry Redknapp down. I didn't know if we could include managing not as the petty criminal because I think with his wheeler-dealer nature, if he just manoeuvres his way around the shops, just picking up what he can to also fly out his did, car window.
2: Also did manage to get himself from getting uh, going off to jail for the tax fraud and into the England managerial job on the basis that his dog was the one who was doing all the business. <laughs> and
1: now he's on a little tech adverts, despite yeah. the saying he never knows how to work an email. Yeah. Are we not going to have Glenn Hoddle in the Survivors? <laughs> Showing remarkable ability to get through. Guy Lineker's making jokes every time they're in the studio. <laughs> you should have Muamba by the same uh, token. Ooh. Yeah, we, I'd been a the kid.
0: Yeah, well, he fits in the same thing as Hoddle. Don't ooh Muamba but not Hoddle. If anything, you should ooh Hoddle and not Muamba. It didn't happen on the pitch, that's why. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Who else are we adding to our survivors? Do we have any more survivors to add in?
2: We meant, we, have you put elco on the list? Because you mentioned we gave a good script on him. And Elka gets in, I think. we said bo- Owen Hargreaves as well.
1: Adaboil, shout! That is a very <laughs> all good the shout. different clubs <laughs> plus the Togo bus. How he managed to land himself Everything. at Real Madrid? I don't think he's real. Or what to say. <laughs> but in every in every aspect, he fits. It's
0: fine. I'm keeping strictly PG, but
1: if we're going
2: out, <laughs> our <on, that's> survival.
0: <laughs> all right, So with with these uh, with these squads, who do you think? Who do you think does their job best? Do you think the survivors all survive? Do you think the psychopaths make their way through that many people without taking each other out, or do you think the petty criminals manage to manoeuvre past the psychopaths and get what they want done? Because I think the petty criminals get taken out first. Yeah. Yeah. No, the but there's a few boys in there which well, they're, they're kind <laughs> of they're kind of tickling both barrels. In, they don't have the heart to go around taking anyone out and they also don't have the heart to try and just survive and I think you can get a bit greedy when when you look and you've already got 10 DVD players and 9 TVs you might try and carry one more
1: they, they are the ultimate mercenaries as well so they would turn pretty quickly on each other
2: read me that Survivor squad again
1: well I've got Terry, Bridge and
0: Al I think we have one person in no 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 Psychopaths win because that Bridge that
2: John Terry that's going to break that Survivor's group apart that's gonna be that's gonna be the crack in their armor, which these is gonna compromise These them. films
1: are brilliant at unifying these type of people. You have this thing at the start where they hate each other. By the end of it, nothing like you know. If you get a zombie apocalypse film or something, for example, everyone's friends by the end of that.
0: The latest uh, Purge film just united all black people against white people to the point where nobody turned a blind eye at firing a rocket launcher in a c- enclosed flat <laughs> just to get rid of one bloke. We're about to buy telly again. <laughs> So, do you think those psychopaths? We take. Do you think Keen can lead them? Actually, if so, if we got the squads. We kind of got that. If you can, if you can, whether it's one of those or whether it's someone else, before we move on, who would you entrust to stay with across the twenty-four hours? Because As just the single person from any of those squads. It could be. They don't have to be in the squads. They could be someone else. But. I hadn't thought about him until you said him. I think I'm taking with Vidic because he's taking the emotion out of it. I think he can do the psychopath, the tendencies and take out anyone that tries getting me. And I think I can trust him to keep me safe for the for the for the duration of the 24 hours, even if I have to just sit in a corner and he just brick walls in front of me. I I I'm gonna go. I mean, Vidic is yeah quite an easy option to
2: go to. I think I'm gonna bank on I think I'm gonna bank on Lovetsy's mafia connections, just sort of hooking me up with you know some resources some further backing from a larger larger community of muscle yeah I'm going to go with Lavezzi.
1: Um, I'm going to go with Keane on the basis of, I think he'd make the decisions you you didn't want to make he wouldn't there'd be no sort of thrills about it he would do it it'd be quite funny as well it, if you survive it and you're celebrating he'd just give you this sort of like indignant look and be like what the fuck are you celebrating we got another film to get through it <laughs> this is the semi-final
0: just when we have four spaces in our survivors as a last one if we just have one that um, has kind of been around the clubs I think someone that specialises in kind of six yard box goals someone that specialises in late goals and for me I'd be taking Dirk Coit there <laughs> I think Dirk Coit we have in and he's kind of our, our sniper to protect the survivors <laughs> Unless you think of someone better that's specialising in the late little scummy goals in there.
1: Well, I was going to have someone like Richard Wright in there as a survivor, but he'd be more almost like an extra in there. You wouldn't actually know what he does, but by the end of it, he would be about it. Like, where did you come from? You got the league medal around your, around your neck. You're like, where the fuck's he come from? Where's he been all season? He's the guy in the Royal
0: Rumble that hides under the ring until everyone else has got <laughs> out, and then he jumps back in afterwards.
1: Throws a woman out of the ring. <laughs>
0: All right, we'll, uh, we'll we'll move on. Maybe in the future we'll uh, we'll come back to this. Moving on, then we have the unwritten rules of football, kind of football your mates here, whether it's in the park, whether it's in the street, whether it's well wherever. If we start off then with just the jump of the goalposts uh, kind of scenario, and whether you and how you determined uh, what was wide. What was over, what was posted in, what wasn't, because it did seem to change based on who was shooting and uh, it differed each time. I think what was over was probably the toughest one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then you get someone that's reaching up as high as they could, like, look, I could never have reached out, I can't be. Yeah, the, you've never heard the terms posting in ever as much as you did in that circumstance. If you thought VAR. Promotes some serious discussion that creates some serious, serious discussion. I mean, this is slightly
0: separate to that, but a few phrases have ever annoyed me more than playing five aside. And if we make clear, this is kind of separate to five aside, that could be a whole separate thing which we were going to do at some point. But hearing someone say, if, if that was a real goal, that'd be in.
1: <laughs>
0: you're not playing in that goal, <laughs> so it wouldn't be so in. He's
1: off target.
2: I think the the bottom line when it came to making a decision on whether the it was over or why it was whose ball it was they they were the final say and often as well it kind of they whether they you know have the final word or not determined how crucial that goal was or could have been you know if it's if it's the if it's the the next subject which i want to go on to, which is next goal wins um oh. that you know you know that that that's that's going down to literally if you add VAR and then multiple angle VAR, that's how big that that the debate
0: on that decision would be. Well, what you said there about a uh, person whose ball it was—that was quite a key thing there as to what kind of rules you go by because you can't upset the person who is owning the ball. You can't say pick it up, walk home. Yeah, You can't be too lopsided and have them losing because they're going to lose interest. You can't go tackling it in too hard on them because they're not going to fancy it for the rest of the game, and you probably just can't be an idiot to that person because they're just going to tell you you're not playing and people not to pass to you. Which it, could be very petty when you're younger. If someone was told they couldn't play, people wouldn't pass to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: it's like having a royal playing in the squad, isn't it? It's kind of like, you know, you don't, you don't, like even if you're not one of the royal, you know, your royal backers,
1: it's kind of like, you just got to kind of respect that, you know. that oh, Their word is respected above all as well. Mm. If it was your ball, you you rewrote the rules of football if you wanted. It was on you. Yeah
2: we so going on to my one which I said then um, so next goal wins. Where so
1: heroes are made.
2: It's kinda of like it's kinda of like, you know, you can be twenty goals down but if next <laughs> next goal wins determines it. It's kinda of like um it's kinda of like in Game of Thrones when somebody says trial by like you know, it's like interion in his trial and you know, he's got every literally he's condemned, he's gonna lose but him just saying, "I demand a trial by combat" changes it all, <laughs> you know. He, you know that—that's it. Is any everything clean slate level, play, almost a level play There field. would be
0: a part of me that would be disappointed with the next goal wins with my team winning if I hadn't been the one to score that next goal wins. What Brockwith training used to used to love being that hero just so I could nail the knee slide after or whatever I needed to do.
1: For fuck's
0: sake, next goal wins. I mean, if it's not. It's not been a tough-fought game. If it's a, if it's a close
1: game, then... Oh, it's heartbreaking if it's been a tough-fought game. That's, everything those City players and fans went through against Spurs is exactly how you felt if you lost to a next-goal win, especially if you've given them a hiding. It's just... You know they're going to be crowing about it for the rest of the day after lunch, and there's nothing you can do about it. If we tackle then,
0: which kind of goes from there, the topic of goalkeepers and being a keeper. So... I think it was a really tough bit to go around because the first thing I would say if I was explaining to aliens who are going to join in a game, don't be too good in goal.
1: Because
0: <laughs> if you're switching after every goal, you don't want to be in there too long. But you also don't want to make an embarrassing, uh, have an embarrassing goal go in, which I've had plenty of times you can blame not wearing your glasses or whatever. But you don't want to be too good. But you also don't want to be that scumbag that Almost just steps across the goal just to let someone tap it in, and they, and I'm, I mean we can all think of someone that definitely has done that before.
1: It doesn't make any sense. My blood's boiling now thinking about it. I I, I test the idea that someone's purposely got out of the way because they don't want to be in goal anymore. Apart from anything, what gives you the arrogance to think you're too good to be going to goal? You should be out on pitch. I can't. I can't have it. We, none of us want to beat. You do your stint. You try your hardest. Someone's going to produce a shot that you're not going to be able to save anyway. So you're not that good that you you have to let one in. One is going to beat you. Don't worry. Wait your turn.
0: Yeah, because there, there are people I can think of that do literally step across with their arms Discount. either side like that. Or is that better or worse than the people that try and skip out their turn in goal? Or what? even people, some people
1: that think they're that high or mighty, they can refuse to go in goal. Oh, they, f- they fully kepper you. It's the opposite of what Kepa did in fact. He he, stayed, he stated, Look, I'm staying in this goal, I'm not coming out. It's it rounds, I'm not going in goal. I'm, and it, most of the time as well, you'd understand if if it's someone who was like the best player on the pitch, you think, Alright, look, I don't want to do this, yeah. but you can stay out. But it wasn't, it was someone who was fucking bang average, you'd be like, No, no, I'm not going in goal. Okay. Unless it was your ball. In which case you do what you fucking want, son. What what do you think the etiquette is
0: in terms of a friendly game? So this is just like football in the apart with your mate. This is all kind of what this is, where it's footballing apart, whether it's just training game or whatever. No there seems to be some kind of etiquette with not blasting it if you're close and you're close in on goal. You don't, like, if you're going to blast it, make sure it goes in, basically. You don't blast it from about two yards out on the spot at the keeper. People are going to say, you're try- trying too hard was a thing, like especially at <laughs> lunch. You couldn't be deemed to be trying too hard. Yeah. You looked at the people almost with like a screwed up face. The people that were coming into their next lesson like dripping because they'd been <laughs> charging around for the entire lunchtime.
1: Yeah, but then heads were lost at those lunchtime periods. It didn't really matter. You you quickly kind of got lost in the heat of battle. Um, I think the only time you started saying you're not taking it seriously if you started losing so badly that people just lost interest. That was where it tended to be started happening. But yeah, I think most people kind of understood that etiquette. You'd have someone every now and again that would come along and be drilling everything. Um, and that it's a little bit like I guess you're preparing yourself for when you're older. That person would probably be the same person who comes into like I don't know, like a pre-drinks and starts like yell, like yelling, like I don't know, inappropriate jokes or something that you think I don't know what this guy is. I don't know if he knows his audience, but he doesn't care. He's coming in firing. I, I'd so, say also I'd say bad form as well. Where so normally
2: if uh, like an outrageously good, particularly in the era of um, you know you know Ronaldo and Messi, but particularly with Ronaldo if Ronaldo that week had pulled off an outrageous like free kick or a bit of skill, that one person that you're playing with would literally, every time he got the ball or yeah. there was a set piece, would try and replicate exactly what Ronaldo did that weekend. You've got to weekend. look at people and
0: say, look, it's not all about you here. We're trying to have a game. Yeah, yeah. But just, well, It kind of goes into the, the blasting point is if most of the time you're, you're not playing against a wall or with a net, nobody wants to have to go and get the ball after someone's blasted it. And the rule is you have to go and get the ball if you're the one that smashed it away. Although there is, there was, within reason, I guess the rule was if you score, you don't get it. But, I suppose if you're smashing it from a yard out, then you probably are. People are going to look towards you and say, look, you've got to go and get it.
1: You feel for the keeper in that circumstance. He doesn't want to have to go run and get that.
0: And you've got, you've got to think about your surroundings as well. So if you're playing somewhere where there's a river behind you, a brook, or Something, then you have to be conscious about whether you kick it over because the rules are if you kick it over you've got to go and get it and you don't want to be that guy that comes back and says look I can't find it or it's gone we've spoken before about what happens to the people that lose the ball
1: yeah ostracised and it leads on to a nice thing of having to hop a fence or whatever to get it you'd send your most agile person in if you sent someone over that's like look I can't really climb that I've not got that in me somebody would be over there jumping over like monkey bars somebody would have it in them
2: so I so I got one for you. So um, it's a bit of the the looseness of mixed terrain and the, actually what the perception of what the actual pitch was. So uh, like two scenarios for me was like so when you're playing in the street just outside like the front of your house, um, it was kind of it was like a dead end cul de sac. So you'd have the one goal, but then you'd have the turnaround point. So it's kind of like the pitch had an inward dent, which was still in technically inside the pitch, and more often than not, you try and curl in a shot from that. But it was. Um, it was the field that we used to play on at the end of our street. Um, the, the length where on a field, you had like this massive tree in the middle, but was sunk into the ground. That, that slope downwards, that circular slope downwards, was always categorised as the pitch. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, if you were basically you, you're trying to make a charge up the pitch and you're getting chased down, you've got two players coming onto you, you go down into that ditch and you avoid them or you take it to where they're not willing to go. And then, in which case, you've got a choice of either you wait for them to come down to you and try and go back up the hill or you use the hill to get in a decent curveball, just ramp it up the hill. If you're not particularly good at Aaron
0: Lennon would have done well with having a bit of a ramp to get that ball up. <laughs> with, with you saying about the terrain, uh, I think everyone kind of knew common courtesy was. Unless it's that kind of game, you don't slide. Unless you are kitted out in your shorts, socks, trainers, it's not really a slide tackling kind of scenario. There would be some freaks even at school that
1: would like slide on concrete to get at <laughs> lunchtime to get the ball. What are you doing? But I think you knew who they were. You kind of respected it in a way. It was almost like a sort of like the goon being sent in for a hockey player. It was like, look, when this guy's on on the pitch, you know what's going to happen. You know, it's at your own risk at this point.
2: Well, you know, you know when you make that challenge, if you've got a mum at home who's going to be fuming at you for getting your kit, getting sorry, getting your school uniform completely trashed, (laughs) which is how I've committed to that challenge twice and have borne the brunt of walking through that door (laughs) and being sent round to the back to strip off. You're not coming in the house like that because I'm drenched in mud. The trousers are ruined. The shoes are ruined. Skid
1: marks, basically.
0: (laughs) Well, that that takes me nicely to one of my uh, like rules. So. No, no, know, know your role basically. Fifty-fifty tackles. The smart survive over the brave. <laughs> there is no point in a casual game dangling your foot in there to get trounced by someone you know you're not winning that fifty-fifty with. <laughs> it's usually not that serious to be to be dangling like that. You let them have the ball. You can nick it back after, or you let someone
1: else do it. You got to know your limits. There were some psychos as well. You think about it, the we've mentioned about sort of the uniform. If you had, if you were playing at school, there were some chunky shoes out there. It was good. so that You can make a good connection with them. But then every now and again, somebody would have like a serious, like heavy duty set shoes on that would hurt. If if they'd booted the ball, but carried on like with the follow through and hit you, that would hurt. And one particular person, I'm thinking I've had steel toe boots on and that would write you off as well. But <laughs> I don't think many people did, but that sort of, on that sort of vein, Co-
2: contrast to that, I mean, if on those summer months playing in your socks, that was, was the thing. i to
1: say this. You, you what, couldn't get people to commit to everybody having shoes off, though, and that was the problem.
0: No, because I'm firmly in the shoes on camp, and it, then I look at the people who kind of have their shoes off, and you've got the moral quandary where can I go in for a tackle as I usually would with I someone that doesn't feet. have the, does, doesn't have their shoes on? Absolutely. Um, if you look at say. Uh, if we look at the Wembley in particular, I've, I've seen this today being referred to as World Cup, which is supposedly another thing that adds to the list of... World Cup William, I mate, calls. it. I don't
1: know what that means, but...
0: And if you start there with keepers, so everyone suspected a keeper previously of targeting their kick to someone in particular when they're kicking yeah. it out. Everyone's looked at a keeper and said, look, you're kicking it to him on purpose each time now. <laughs> I mean, I know where, I've said on it before, where my thoughts lie. I don't know where Alex lies uh, on goal hanging. I think people say that um, sarcasm is uh, the lowest form of wit. Some people say goal hanging is the lowest form of uh, Wembley. (laughs) I actually think it's the sharpest because why would you do all that
1: running around if you can knock it in? Well, well, I suppose the argument would be um, why if everybody did that, you have no game. Because you just have a ball being able to keep and people loitering around by the goal. Is is the kind of the thing fits in with my tackling point. Know your role. Yeah, no, but your your point is, why would you do that? So if everybody applied the same logic, you were going to be. It's a little bit like a, a friend of ours who didn't pay for something and said, "Well, why would I? There are a multi million company, That's fine." Well, if everybody did that, they wouldn't be a multi million company because nobody would pay, be paying for anything, would they? Not,
0: not, in, not, this isn't a goal Isn't a crime. Stealing yeah.
2: is. In, in many <laughs> aspects, I think it is. The thing is, is, like with the goal hanging, it's kind of a bit like you do it. You can maybe allow for maybe a couple of op- a couple of times where you do it in a in a in a, in a full game of Wembley. Game of it's trademark. kind of like it's kind of it, it's in um, it's in Molly's game where Molly's going to the lawyer and is asking she's asking like, "Am I breaking the law?" And he said, "You're not breaking the law, but there's a saying in this business: don't break the law when you're breaking the law." It's kind of like you know, it's kind of like don't don't goal hang all the time. You know, it's kind of like, and you know, I can confess as well. I was a fan of the long range shot, so I was the reverse of that in terms of I like to yeah. wait for that long kick out and just have a shot first
0: and time. My dream is someone like you doing a long range <laughs> shot,
1: and you, and you deflected it in and running off with the glory is yeah. basically the, the worst. The worst thing in that
0: situation was um, the dubious goal panel was essentially just the majority vote, and. If people rally, for one, the, the second worst thing is when people say, look, deflections don't count. Yeah. My whole game's gone. <laughs> the second worst thing is when people know you've deflected it in, but a group will say, didn't touch you. Yeah. yeah. It didn't touch you. Yeah. And because the whole panel then says, well, it didn't touch you, you have to carry on playing. Because if you go and just sit out and wait for the next round, people will say, well, you didn't go
1: through. I think you're you're accepting your place in the sort of the pantheon of you're pretty immoral. So the vote is probably <laughs> going to go against you. you yeah, exactly. You're going in there saying like, "Look, anything dubious, I'm not going to get." So I've, it's got to be a clean one for it's, me. It's where those politics I'm
0: outside about, the game come in. I'm as
2: talking well.
1: about a blatant one that everyone knows, but people still will say. But <laughs> you, you know, you know what you were getting into. It's just <laughs> you're there probably with two or three others who are, also queuing up, goal hanging. The the premise of that was that you had. to... It, Webley doubles, you would have to bag the other partner, would do the running. They would do this stuff, they'd do work, they could go into tackles, long range shots, or whatever, and you'd be there, right? You do that, I'll be ready to tap one in. So, yeah,
0: we had a good little thing going.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: It was a fine double act. See, people don't mind it when it helps them. My,
2: just, my argument well, would well, be: is you could have paired up with anybody else, and they could have given that exactly
1: what he offered and a little bit more. Well, well yeah, look. To say that it worked, that's fine, but it probably also would have worked if you'd also run around and done the work, and that would have been fine as well. I wouldn't have argued with it.
0: And then someone else could have done. <laughs> the go, and it would have gone against one of my other rules. You can't try too hard because nobody wants to be in the lesson after when you're stinking. I'm a sweaty guy, and, and also if you have a shitter, you can say, "Well, I wasn't really trying." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't say that. I think people would know that. any I'll, f- I'll fling my body at it if it means I can get that little knocking. So. Onto the basis then of a team game again. So obviously the team, the team selection is the most crucial point because it can make or break a good game. Uh, If you have too many scumbags on one team, it's not going to be a pleasant game. If you have too many uneven, if you have the teams too uneven, people are going to become disinterested. There were several kind of uh, unwritten rules there. One of them, I think, being that if the teams are uneven, then you do almost a mid-game swap. Or I know in school, when the games were much larger, you would essentially just give a player to the other team and you'd carry on from there. But if we say then, so the the different options were picking faces, picking numbers, and in some cases, it became like bacon, egg, sausage. (laughs) I mean, the preference, really, if you want a good game, is picking faces, but also unpleasant if you're going to be picked last. (laughs) Like... In most cases, I've considered myself lower tier, but not necessarily the worst. So I'll bank myself on getting above then. You don't want to be that last guy. Also, you like the drama of picking numbers. It takes more time for a start. You wipe out some... If you paid for an hour, then you're wiping out a lot of your time. And it can go horribly wrong. I know some of the times we did it on a Friday, you can have very uneven teams after about 10 minutes.
2: <laughs> the The highlight, the the highlight of my, uh, my uh, educational footballing career was uh, primary school, year six. And I was one of the kids who was picked last. Um, and I got put in goal for part of that game. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a one-on-one with the best football player in the school. He's coming at me. I've made the save. Changes the game from there. Not too long later, we get a penalty at the other end. Because of my heroics with that save, they've waved me down. You'll yeah. take it <laughs> a penalty.
0: And I'll put it in. That that was the peak that for was me. That was, that was peak. That mm. was peak. This is like that YouTube video we were watching the other day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was cheering him in. So when it comes to uh, picking faces then, the worst nightmare you have is a captain who picks their mates. Yeah. Because that disrupts the whole hierarchy of the system there. You need people that know... And I don't know everyone their different thoughts on captains. So if there's one good keeper among the bunch that actually likes going in goal, he's absolutely your first pick because you can make up the numbers elsewhere on the pitch. The The worst thing, I suppose, is if the other team gets the keeper and he's prepared to stay in goal and the rest of you have to rotate because nobody wants to be your keeper.
2: Yeah. The the basis that we always worked off um, was back at primary school for me was it was... Uh, it always seemed to be falling to pitfall of each half of the year had was always the the teams. But you had the best player from each of those half of the years was always the captain. Um, and that then
1: they'd select the teams. That's the basis that I'd go on. Best player is your captain. Also, the thing with even the teams out as well, particularly when we're younger, sort of later primary school, but even early secondary school, people, kids are just so transfixed with winning that it didn't matter if the teams were hopelessly stacked, they would happily deceive Routes on like 16-0. And I'd be like proper frustrated. Like to the point of getting angry, I'd be like, no, we need to swap because this is just stupid. And I'd like go on the shit team and try and help out or whatever, try and get other people to do it because I just wanted like an even game. It was the only thing I wanted. But kids, you're pissing in the wind trying to tell them that because they just want to win regardless. Well, that's what happened when I had the
0: bet with the kid from work on... um... We would each get a team, and we would play for fifty quid. And uh, my whole team turned up, and his didn't. So my argument was, I should get to play with uh, the extra man because it's not my fault his team didn't turn up. There's fifty quid on the line. I want to win. Instead, <laughs> I had to sacrifice one of my players. Go on to lose by dubious handball offside. <laughs> but so from there, it's, look, I I think. If you're on the winning side, I'd happily route someone rather than make it a bit more even, maybe show a bit more eye about eye me. Eye I'm eye def- eye eye. I am definitely that guy. If you're on the losing side, then. Also, you ever watched uh, Hell's Kitchen where the team's blatantly losing and they send in a member from the other team to go and help out, Same finish deck. the service? Like, you'd rather fail the service than have someone come in and have that little moment feeling good about themselves. <laughs> I think I'd almost rather that than someone come over and the different. they're that good that they're able to then just win the game around for you. So i on the basis of like you go for the route as well because it's men-
2: it's mentally in the locker then like so if you if that same team then loses the next week, you know you yeah well we smashed you sixteen 0 the other week you know it's a bigger 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 threshold bigger win.
1: I'd rather lose heroically than than win a route like that, which which maybe sets me up for being a Liverpool fan. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> so the the maybe be the
0: second biggest question after if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it doesn't make a sound. If you put the ball through someone's legs but don't get it on the other side, is it a nutmeg?
1: People will still squeal and go for it, especially if it is someone who people didn't tend to like. If you put it through the legs, all fair game, people call anything a nutmeg. It, I th- I'm on the basis We're of
2: kidding, but, I, I'm on the basis of if you've knocked it through the ball, if you've knocked it through the legs and you or another player in the team does not pick it up, it's not a nutmeg. I think it
0: counts as long as the person whose legs it goes through doesn't get it.
2: get what you're saying but it's kind of a bit like you could it, it's
0: well yeah I see what you're saying
1: Oh look, you've gained zero advantage from it it's yeah. just the fact that you just put it through the legs yeah. it's the humiliation yeah. that's all yeah well that was
0: happening at the point Spurs were losing in the week um Delhi knocked it through someone's legs on Saturday and people still saying how class it was and it's like well he hasn't done anything with it he's in his own half and has knocked it through someone's <laughs> legs and people are going on about it um Last couple of things then uh, before we uh, finish this one off. The rules don't bounce a football continually. If you've got to put up, if you've got to keep that ball for the next uh, however long, you don't want it turning into an horrible shape. The same as people saying you don't kick a basketball or it turns egg shaped. Um, there was some kind of quandary over a, a new football. You had to have it worn in a bit first. I actually remember there was a kid who we went on a trip to Paris with school, which I've spoken about on here before. And uh, this kid had spent, at the time, probably about like, 16 quid on a football, one of the new Premier League ones. And um, he'd brought it in, and we were playing with it at lunchtime. And he, um, as we said, the ball carrier picked the ball up to say we couldn't play anymore. Wondered why he's still got another 10, 15 minutes left, which is an age in uh, like school time. Um, he said he didn't want the ball getting scratched
1: <laughs>
0: because he'd spent so much on it, and what? so would save it to be played with on grass. And this was like a winter game, so. Oh my- Essentially okay. taking it for a couple of months to then bring it back out because this
1: 16 quid ball was that, like, prestige. Let me tell you, the outrage at our school if the field was closed. Unless there was, like, torrential downpours, you'd be like, well, why is this closed? The demand was just incredible. The teachers, you, d- you didn't want to be the one that was on duty that day because they were getting it in the neck. If, if the rest thought they were getting in the neck when they went to VAR, you should have seen what these teachers went through.
0: My final one to add would be... Uh, what isn't isn't a foul? Essentially, unless someone squeals in agony, you play on. If it goes slightly beyond the goal, you play on. Someone
1: has to be absolutely now, it's goal. also
2: it's also as well. It's that like if it's in a if it's a goal scoring opportunity or it's like decisive, that's when it gets brought up as well. If it's like a little little clip of the legs and they've gone over, and it's in a goal scoring opportunity, definitely a foul. Or if it's the person whose ball it is. He's a bit of a twat. <laughs> he's a bit of a twat, and just literally has got his mindset that he's going to be the man of the match. He's heading towards goal. He gets the slightest little clip. I can, I can think of somebody here in my mind, um, but they've been gently clipped. Now he's picked up the ball. It's a foul. It's a foul, and he puts it back down. Uh-huh. His word is the
1: law. Any to add? If it, the, the only other law is that the old, if an older kid comes involved, and they're suddenly in charge. If the older kids come and take your ball. You're all furious. The young is a fuming. You're going to chase after him, but ultimately they do have you on a string. They can do what they want, largely.
0: Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. We'll get into the NBA action next week when these first round matchups have finished. No upsets really looking like they are on the cards. So uh, we'll tackle that next week. But as always, if you could give us a listen. Like, share, repost on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all that business. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Thank you.